something that's supernatural, that's, that's the way it is in heaven. He's wanting to bring that down to earth. And I'm absolutely convinced that God's plan and purpose for us is that we would live supernatural lives, that excuse me, what we see in our daily living on earth here is what's happening in heaven. The power of God, the life of God, the provision of God, the works of God happening in our lives on a daily basis. And I believe that what we are doing is, is um, endeavouring to build a culture of the supernatural, not just occasional sporadic outbursts of something that looks amazing, maybe someone getting healed or you know, someone being really touched by God as, as an occasional thing, but actually a culture of the supernatural. That's what I really want to see develop in our midst. And when we think about heaven, you know, it's, it's very easy to think future. That, well, one day, you know, the Bible says we, you know, we'll walk on streets of gold and we think about the future realities of heaven. That's really amazing. And I never want us to diminish that or to play that down. In fact, there's a great verse in 1 Peter chapter 1 that says that we have a, an inheritance, a priceless inheritance kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Let's never minimize or forget the fact that there is an eternal destiny and a future for every believer, every person who knows that they have a relationship with Jesus. But there's uh, a, a bit of a challenge around that now because when the Bible talks about an inheritance, there's also an inheritance for you for right now, for here and now. And we've got to be careful that we don't think only in future terms. Otherwise, we're going to miss out on something that God really has for us for the here and now. So today what I want to share with you for a few moments is to help you start spending your inheritance right now. I don't think God is saying it's just future. It's also right now. I want to help you today to be able to start spending your inheritance. What does your inheritance look like? What is heaven like? What is it that God wants to do in our lives right now? Let's look into this. So number one, the first thing is, it's not just future, it's here and now, as I've been saying. You know, if we think future only, we can end up leaving the riches of heaven sitting in the bank when actually God is saying, I want you to start drawing on that right now. I want you to start thinking about it right now. The point is, friends, that there are some parts of your inheritance that are only relevant right now. You know, what about the anointing of God that comes on people to heal and to, to bring deliverance, to set people free from the work of the enemy? Those things won't happen in heaven because it won't, it won't be needed up there. So I'm saying that's something that is God is saying right now. That's part of your inheritance today, right now. Can we, can we access that? Of course, of course we can. Right now, in Luke chapter 17, and put the scripture up on the, on the screen, it says, um, Jesus was grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered, well, the kingdom of God doesn't come by counting days on a calendar, nor when someone says, you know, look, look over here or look there. There it is. And why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. And I love this passage because what Jesus is saying is that what God is wanting to do in your life is right now. 
He's wanting to do something in your heart right now that is profound, that is life-changing today. Not just future, but right now. Another verse is in Romans chapter 8, where it says, The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. In other words, there's an inheritance that God has for you because we are co-heirs with Christ. And then in, in verse 29, the same chapter, so God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So the inheritance that God has for you and, and me, it's actually to become like Jesus. So that what Jesus did during his earthly ministry, he wants you and I to be like that, that we can do the same things that Jesus was doing, to be conformed to the image of his son. And I love that verse in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he who believes on me, the same works that I did, the same works that I do, you will do and greater because I'm going to my father. So Jesus is saying here, he wants us to do the same works, the same things that he was doing. In other words, authority over sickness and every work of the enemy. What about ability to hear from God and, you know, and speak prophetically over your life's circumstances? What about the ability to bring life out of death, to bring order out of chaos, to bring wholeness out of brokenness? These are the things that Jesus was doing. And that's the inheritance that we have today, to be able to do those same things. So the second thing about our inheritance today is that it's not instantaneous, but it's a process that God is doing in our lives. That's what the scripture is saying here in John chapter 1. It says, For as many as received him, that is Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I want you to focus for a moment on that little word become. It says, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you, you know what I'm talking about here. And it says, um, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, when you look at the original language, and, and we need to, to be able to go back to um, the languages this was written in to really get a handle on it. But the word become in Greek is different to the word to be. You know, you know, to be means what you are. To become means the process of becoming something or the process to be. In fact, it actually means uh, to come into being or it implies motion, movement or growth or, or to emerge. It means a transition from one state to another. So what it's saying is that if, if you have received Jesus, if you believe in his name, God is giving you the right to transition or to, to become, to move into becoming a son of God or a daughter, a child of God. It's about a process. So what he's saying is it's not, everything doesn't happen instantaneously. There are parts of it that are instantaneous and there are other parts of it that are a process. So I really believe that what God is doing in, in your life and in my life, he's not finished yet. He's still working. We're all a work in process, progress. And the great thing about it is that, you know, he's got more to do in your life and in my life than, than where we're at right now, which is, is an amazing thing. The third thing about this is that the kingdom of God is not 
a physical place. It's spiritual, but it affects the physical. It affects the physical parts of our life. So when Jesus was saying, you know, let your kingdom come, your kingdom come, he wasn't talking about a physical location like the kingdom of Thailand or the kingdom of Norway. or He wasn't talking about a physical place as such. He was talking about the reign and the rulership of the Father uh, that happens. So I, I mentioned before from uh, 1 Chronicles uh, about, the, about the life of King David. And at the end of his life, you know, he, he brought the people together in this incredible celebration. Um, and uh, because he wanted just to say to them, that he had prepared this store of wealth for building the house of God, um, the, the temple that, that his son ended up building. And he said this, because I've set my affection on the house of God, my heart is in this. And then he, then he talked about um, what he was personally giving. And he said, his own personal store of wealth for building the new temple was 133 tons of gold. Just think about that for a moment. You know, we talk about ounces of gold, don't we, today? 133 tons of gold and plus 260 tons of silver and also other wealth. And the people, they also gave more than that. They gave another 188 tons of gold when you look into it and work it all out in the Scripture. And it's very clear that these people, David and all the people, they weren't giving so that they could get something back from God. It was just an overflow of their heart. It was an incredibly generous response of the blessing of God that had come into their lives. And I just think that's a wonderful thing about giving. But then, here's the point. Then David said, yours, O God, is the kingdom. He was acknowledging that everything that he had and everything that the people had came from God anyway. And when you read that whole passage, 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, um, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it just, it so clearly lays out that everything we have is from God. And he said, yours, O God, is the kingdom. He's referring to sovereignty, dominion or reign, not the physical boundaries of our location or area. And so when, it, when the Bible says, Lord, let your kingdom come, it's saying, God, I want your rulership and your reign to come powerfully in my life. I, I'm not talking about, you know, I don't want to own all the houses in my street necessarily. Not about that. It's about, God, I want your rulership and your reign to come in my life. The fourth thing about our inheritance today is it's not a fantasy. It's real. This is real, folks. We're talking about real life change. We're talking about real impartation in people's lives. Um, and I, I want to say here this morning, Friends, that what God wants to do in our region, you know, where, where we all live here, um, it's more than just a vision or an idea or, or a figment of a, uh, an imagination. It's actually an inheritance that God wants to give us. If we can get this into our spirit, into our hearts, I believe what God wants to do is actually an inheritance that He wants to give us. Now, um, just, just imagine a, a wealthy landowner um, who's near the end of his life and he's he's got his family gathered around him and he's he's distributing you know his all, all of his assets to his family and he's saying to to one of his kids well you know you can have everything 
up, up in the north, the north of the city, north of Toowoomba, you can have all of that country up there. And to someone else, well, you can have all the country out there in the west of the city. And to someone else, you can have everything out down to the south of the city. Now, he doesn't own it, by the way. He says he's wealthy, but he doesn't, it's all owned by other people. And he's saying, you can have all that up there. It would be a pretty bold sort of a move. It, would, it wouldn't make a lot of sense, really, would it? But you know what? That's exactly what God did with the children of Israel when they came into the promised land, the land that God had promised them. If you read the book of Joshua, it's, it lists all the battles that they fought. Let me just back up a little bit. We've got to understand that this country was occupied by pagan nations that were serving the devil in all kinds of ways. They were the wicked practices that you don't want me to list the practices and the culture of those countries. They were so profane and disgusting. And God said, I'm going to move you out and I'm going to move my people in there and I'm giving it to them. That's what God said. So here they come. The people have come and Joshua is with them. And they, they had to take over that country. And they had fought many battles and they would possessed much of the land, but not all of it. There was some of the land they hadn't yet conquered. And Joshua is at the end of his life. He's the leader of the nation. So God speaks to Joshua and says, you can read it in Joshua chapter 13, verse 7. Um, Joshua is speaking and he's saying, I want you to include all this territory that I've given as an inheritance for my people and they hadn't yet possessed it. In actual, so the, the boundaries are all drawn up. They, yeah, that's my, that's my parcel of land over there. I don't own it yet. It's someone else's living there. They think they own it. And one day I'm going to own it. The inheritance that God gave them was so specific and clear they had to pass it down to their children, to the next generation, even though they didn't own it. That's what it was. So the inheritance was real for them. It was, do you get what I'm saying here? It's very real and personal for them in their life. The unconquered land was so much a part of God's plan for Israel, they had to hand it down to the next generation. One day, you're going to own that over there. And I believe God wants us to get into our spirits into our heart, the fact that there is an inheritance for us. I'm not talking about, you know, blocks of land here. I'm talking about owning the territory that's currently owned by the enemy. We're talking about sickness here. We're talking about every work of the enemy, how he controls people's lives. Even poverty, for example. We're talking about depression and discouragement, every mental illness. We're talking about every work of darkness in the lives of people. He wants us to move in and take over that territory and say the kingdom of God is for us to bring deliverance and healing and freedom in these areas and to build his kingdom. That's what it's about. That's the inheritance. And I, I just believe that what God wants to do in us and in every, not just us, but every believer, every church in this community of Toowoomba and the surrounding area, it's a vision that has to be made real, like we use the word to incarnate. You know, Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was God taking upon himself human form. Well, it's like the vision that God has for us. He wants us to take it on into our heart so that we know that's actually part of us. It's part of our life. The pastor can't do everything. <laughs> just, just so you know that. 
It's got to become incarnated in every one of us that this is God's plan. We are going to move in and take over. You've got to drive out some of these enemies sometimes. That's what they had to do. They, they, it's actually fascinating to look at the names of the, all of the people, the former inhabitants of the land, like the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the... Oh, I used to know a few of them. How many of them? <laughs> The Jebusites and all, all. When you look at the, all the ites, when you look at the meanings of their names, it all means something that is a, a current social problem in our community that needs to be dealt with. And there are people out there trying to deal with these social problems, you know. But in actual fact, the real answer is God coming in in a wave of revival and just removing those things so the kingdom of God can come in reality. That's our inheritance. That's what God wants us to do. Another example of this is uh, John the Baptist. And um, some of you know this scripture in Matthew chapter 11. It's coming up there. Now, how that John the Baptist, also at the end of his life, um, he was in prison actually, and he sent his disciples to Jesus. And Jesus was, you know, performing miracles every day and great things were happening. And he sent his disciples to Jesus saying, you know, are, are you the one we've been looking for? And, you know, it says he got wind of what Jesus was doing. Sent his disciples, are you the one we've been expecting or are we still waiting? Jesus said, go back to John and tell him what's going on. The blind see, blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on this side. Is that what you're expecting? So is, is that the reality of God coming into your world? Because if it is, that's it. That's what God is doing. That's what Jesus was doing. And friend, that's the inheritance that God wants us to take a hold of. That's exactly what we should be doing, I believe, in our community. These things, Jesus said, and even greater or more extensive things will you do because I'm going to the Father. I'm, I'm sending the Holy Spirit who will fill you and you will be, be able to do more much more than what I've than the extent of what he was doing. It was like a report card that Jesus sent back. Is that what you're expecting? Well, friends, that is what we should be expecting. When we come to church, we should be expecting that. Now, I know that's raising the bar a little bit, but I'm telling you, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm praying for. And I encourage you to expect that. And why not? Otherwise, what else are we doing? We're having a nice time in church. We're singing some nice songs, and they're pretty good, by the way. <laughs> These guys are pretty good. Uh, but it, and we're having a nice coffee and some biscuits, and we hang out, and it's great. But is the world changed? Now, I've always had this thought, you know, um, what would happen if, well, us, but any, any particular church disappeared off the face of the earth? Would the community notice? And, friends, it needs to be... They need to notice. The community needs to be impoverished. Something happened to us, the church here, and it just disappeared, say, for example. Um, the community needs to mourn and, and say, well, we really miss those guys because they were doing so much in our community. I tell you, there was a... I know that um, up in Crow's Nest, Archie, when the previous pastor that was there left, I tell you, I saw so many Facebook messages and so many people were... People didn't know what to do because that church was impacting the community. And there was, there was just people who were 
morning, basically. So I, I, want, I want that to be the same for us. Now, we're not there yet. We're definitely not there yet. But I want it to be like that, that if something did happen and people would, would notice and we would, because we are actually making a difference. And, you know, I'm actually going to preach maybe from next weekend. I'm going to start sharing about, you know, the vision that God's put in, in my heart for the church. But one of the things is from Isaiah 58 where it says, um, you know, because, of, because you've got your focus on God and because you, are, you become like a builder in the society, you, you are making the community livable again. That's what God wants us to do, I believe. One thing, it's one of the things that we can do, is to actually change the structure and the fabric of our society so that it becomes more livable because we're here and because we're doing something positive about that. Okay, the, th- the, the last thing about our inheritance is that it's not just for others, it's actually for me. It's for me personally, you, you, every one of us here. It's for me personally. When we talk about heaven, you think about heaven, you know, some people have the idea that talking about heaven is just for old people, you know, who are about to go there. Okay. It's not. It's not at all. That's why Jesus said, your kingdom come right now, you know, on this earth. We don't want to miss the point. And I say, if you're a, a young person here today, um, I just encourage you to start to pray. You know, God, let your kingdom come in my life. Because you can be at the forefront of this. You know, you can be at the forefront of what God is doing. And there's something really powerful about when God does something in your heart, um, that the testimony or the story that is given you, it's really influential or it can be really influential in the lives of other people. And I want to encourage you to, to, be, um, to be willing to share what God is doing in your, in your life. It can be a catalyst to, to release the healing power of God in the lives of some other people. Uh, I know, Lily, you know, we prayed for you some time ago and God really touched you supernaturally. We put that up on YouTube and it's got how many hits, Paul? 150 hits on YouTube, which is more than anything else we've done because, um, because people want to see what's happening in people's lives really. It's very significant. There's a lot of power in our testimonies and God will use it to trigger faith in someone else's heart. Bill Johnson shared this story how um, he prayed for a three-year-old boy who had club feet. You know, feet were sort of turned inwards and down and it was, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible, debilitating thing. And, and they prayed for this boy in a meeting and he was completely healed for the first time ever. He, sat his, he put his feet flat on the ground. It was just an incredible, miraculous healing took place. And um, shortly after that, uh, a couple of Bible college students from there were in a shopping center. They went looking. They went to the shopping center one day to see if they could find someone to pray for, which is a fairly normal thing to do. And, and they saw this old lady um, with, with crutches and, and a brace on her leg. They thought, she's a good candidate. We'll go and pray for her. So they went up and talked to this old lady, and uh, she just flatly refused. You want anything to do? No, 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 no. And they began to just share how the day before they'd seen a boy with club feet completely healed. And so she agreed that, that she would, you know, let them pray for her. So they prayed for her knee that had a tumor on it, and the tumor disappeared. And she took the braze off her knee. Then 
one of the students had a, a word of knowledge. It's the Holy Spirit just spoke into their heart and said, she also needs healing in her back. There's something on her back right now. And, and the, they knew where it was. So, so this, this person said to the old lady, look, um, there's something with your back as well. And they pointed to where it was. She hadn't told them, but there was another tumor on her back. They prayed for that and it was completely healed as well, taken away. Absolutely. So what happened is that um, her family came out of, the, out of the shop where they were and here's grandma, you know, just basically rejoicing. And, and she walked out of the store without, without, the, without the, uh, the crutches, just carrying them and carrying the braces. So God did an amazing thing when they shared the testimony, what happened. But that's not the end of the story. Uh, a week later uh, in church, um, Bill Johnson was telling this story. She had these two healing testimonies in, in a meeting. And there was a lady there who'd come as a visitor and her daughter was, was in the crèche that, that Sunday and um, she had badly deformed feet as well. And so when they shared the story of healing, that lady just sitting there, she said, I'm going to take that from my daughter. Um, so she went and picked up her daughter. And uh, her feet were already perfectly straight. And no one had prayed for her. No one prayed. But her faith was released through the hearing those testimonies. So in those, I'm just saying this morning, friends, that there's a lot of power in our story, a lot of power in your testimony. If God has done something in your life, don't be afraid to share it because it can have a snowballing or a compounding effect in the lives of others. It's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. Hallelujah. So you might feel this morning, I'm going to ask our creative team to come back. If they can, please. And you might feel today that your story is only half written, that God is just doing something in your life. and it, it, Well, of course it is. We're all like that. We're all a work in, pro, in progress. And, and God is still working in our lives and doing something powerful in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering, you know, if God is even real. You haven't got that connection with God just yet. You haven't made that decision to step into a real relationship with Him. It's, it's not that hard. It's just simply, it's simply reaching out to Him. I love that verse in the Bible that says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's just simply calling upon Him and reaching out and saying, God, I need you in my life. Would you come? Would you fill my heart? Would you fill me right now? You might be saying today, could, could God ever love me in view of what's gone on in my life in the past? Well, of course He would. That's why you're here today. That's why He's been drawing you, drawing you to Himself. Because he does love you, regardless of the past. He does love you. Can we, can we just stand up for a moment? I, I want us just to...